Hello and welcome to Art Hates Music, a show where we hunt down songs we hate and try to convince everyone else to hate it too. Because the only way we can feel better is if everyone else agrees with us. I am your host, Artemis, and thank you so much for joining me. It's October, so of course I wanted to do a Halloween episode with a Halloween song, or at the very least, um, one that sounded spooky. Honestly, I'm just not in the mood for Halloween this year. It, it feels like we're on like month 19 of the year that is defined by Groundhog Day. And we still haven't found out how to break the spell. Uh, it helps that I've been trying to keep busy recently. I've been in the process of moving. And I've been, uh, I've been working on other projects. Uh, so while I'm not learning any new skills to impress a girl like Bill Murray... It's, it's been a good time to catch up on everything. I'm sure like everyone else is doing at the moment. But it still felt like I was too busy just with the move and working on other things to really, you know, record this episode. I initially planned on putting uh, work into the next episode for the next month, which of course is just going to be awful fluff that is absolutely perfect for fall. And, you know, just focusing on the move. The week before the move, I decided I was going to go to my favorite establishment one last time as a local and casually work. Uh, You know, as I usually do. (laughs) But then as if by some divine intervention, a song came on the radio while working on this episode. Well, I guess next week's episode. And I just had to stop what I was doing. And let divine intervention take over. Because sometimes, when you can't find the song, the song finds you. Like an animal. Oh, God. Alright, so let me just go ahead and get this out of the way. Maroon 5 isn't a band that I actually hate. In fact, they used to be a band I really enjoyed very much. Their first record's a stone-cold classic of early 2000s pop that blended several genres to create earworms that you could be proud of. I wasn't ashamed to admit that I was a fan of Maroon 5 back in the day. And even up until recently, I've just... I've never been ashamed. They, I thought they were a good band. But at a certain point, they lost me. Their second record, It Won't it won't Be Soon Before Long, did have some incredible, well-written songs. While Adam Levine was never, like, the best lyricist, the band could groove and you could easily ignore his shortcomings. It's crazy how quick, effortless cool becomes insufferable douche, isn't it? And they lost me right around the time of their third record, hands all over. I mean, there's Misery. Misery's a decent song, but it definitely feels like a song they would have cut from their first two records, which were definitely much stronger. After what feels like... I don't know. It, it feels like they took like a really hard left turn. Gone were like the Stevie Wonder and police influences... And they kind of replaced that with just trying to find a hit. Any hit. 
they would they just wanted something that would stick, you know. Which they finally did get with a song that wasn't even on the original record. Moves like Jagger. And then when a glorified bonus track becomes a hit, by God, you ride that train off the tracks. Which brings us to the topic of today's episode, Animal, off of their 2014 record, V. Five? Maroon, Maroon V. It's probably five. Adam brought back Benny Blanco uh, to try and recreate the magic of Moves Like Jagger. And what they produced has got to be the worst stalker song since every breath you take. In fact, this song is so hollow, I couldn't find any information about the making of the song. I usually try to find out like what the writer was going for, what the intent was, kind of what the whole point of putting the song out into the universe was. But with this song, there is just none. No information available. Which makes sense, because how can you really defend Adam Levine howling on the radio? Something nobody asked for. This song doesn't have clever writing or a sick hook that makes it memorable. It instead has to rely on repetition. In fact, the name of the song is repeated a total of 30 times. Trust me, I counted. And by the time it's done, it's not so much an earworm as a sandworm from Doom sent to murder on musical taste. Uh, It also has background vocals that were pretty popular at the time. You remember, like, the repeating of, of Hey in the background? You heard it a lot with, like, Iggy Azalea's Fancy, Katy Perry's Dark Horse. It was everywhere at the time. So you've got just constant repeating of two words to really drive the song into your brain. Which I think kind of defeats the purpose. I think the point of repeating a melody over and over again is to leave the listener humming the tune during random moments of the day. At least that's what I always go for anyways. But when you're only repeating a word or a noise, it starts to wear the listener out to the point where they just stop caring. You know how you can say a word over and over again and it's and it starts to lose meaning? I think this is something like that. It's just gibberish and distracting. As I mentioned before, Maroon 5 is a band I actually do enjoy for the most part. The very least, I enjoy the sum of its individual parts. And this song, I think, is a case of eliminating those parts to the worst possible outcome. Maroon 5 has without a doubt the tightest rhythm section in pop music this side of Fits in the Tantrums. And the foundation laid out by drummer Ryan Dusick and former bass player Mickey Madden was tight and focused with no measure wasted which allowed James Valentine, who, while not a guitar god or anything, he's a very good guitar player when given the chance. It, uh, it allowed him to compliment Levine's voice. A solid band with a soulful singer, you know, when he wants to be, shouldn't produce songs like this. They should have been the next cult band with a single hit that continued making great records and held a very strong, very loyal fan base. Those are most of my favorite bands. Like, you got Bare Naked Ladies, Fastball. I think, okay, most 90s bands were this. And so coming out of the 90s, it makes sense. They had the one hit. They could have probably coasted making the music that they wanted without ever worrying about another hit. Obviously, this isn't the direction that they ended up taking. 
Instead, we are left with Adam Levine howling on the radio, and nobody around him was brave enough to tell him what an awful, terrible creative decision that was. I tried, guys. I really, really tried. I wanted to find something good about this song. I was desperate for a clever lyric or a tasty guitar lick I couldn't hear before. Just literally anything I could latch onto to salvage this episode. But there just wasn't. The most egregious thing about this song is obviously the lyrics. It's gross, man. Like, I think I get what they were going for. Maybe they wanted, like, a cool, sexy song akin to Hungry Like the Wolf, complete with a goddamn howl. (laughs) But it just fails in every way possible. Maybe it could have been saved with a cool music video? Doubtful, but sometimes a video can do a lot of heavy lifting. But nope. When he's not punching meat in a freezer, shirtless, covered in blood... Like, is he covered in the blood because he killed someone, or is it just blood from the meat, which isn't as cool as he thinks it is? Anyways, when he's not stuck in a freezer, it just feels like an excuse to show off his hot supermodel girlfriend. And knowing it is his hot supermodel girlfriend, you would think that they would have more chemistry. If you're going to try and rip off Duran Duran, at least tell a better story with your video. There is not a single boat in sight. (laughs) But I think the grossest lyric has to be, you're like a drug... Oh, God. Uh, I can do this. I can get through this. Just got to breathe. Got to put yourself in in the Adam Levine mindset here. Okay, got it. You're like a drug that's killing me. I cut you out entirely. But I get so high when I'm inside you. Like, come on, man. What's worse is he rhymes inside of you with inside of you. (laughs) Because subtlety isn't sexy. Everyone knows that. It's like he wants to tell us he's having sex. Like, did you guys hear? I'm a multi-platinum rock star, and I've heard some rumors going around that I haven't been having sex. That's just not true. I can prove it, too. Like, just look at the music video. Do you even see me punching in the freezer? God. It just comes across like a kid in middle school who is like, oh yeah, I've had sex like a hundred times, man. Me. I was that kid in middle school. (laughs) But I want to find something positive to say about it. That's my goal, always. I always want to try to find something positive to say. It's the only way for this to be anything more than a This Thing Bad podcast. Sure, that's how we got the permits. But I enjoy music, and I want to find things to like, which made this episode so difficult. Uh, There's only so many ways I can say that's gross. I mean, you just heard that lyric, right? It's gross. But, so I wanted to share some interesting things that I found out during the research for animals. And of course, they're completely unrelated to the songs of this episode. Uh, So, just real quick, so apparently... There, somewhere out in the world, there is a remix of This Love from their very first album, Songs About Jane, 
by Kanye West. Say what you want about Kanye West, the next president of the United States, but he's a great producer, and I am dying to hear his remix of this song. I enjoy this song, but I have gotten a little sick of it over the years, uh, just, you know, playing it in my cover band for years and years. But it, I can still recognize it's a good song. I haven't been able to find the remix yet, so if anyone does know where to find it, you can go ahead and slide into my DMs on Twitter because I definitely need that in my life. The second fun fact, which I was shocked. <laughs> I got to tell you, I was shocked. Uh, so the, the second one was that I found out that among the guest musicians that are on Songs About Jane, their, uh, their first album, were Sheeter Jones. Who knew? You know, The Office, Parks and Rec... Uh, this led me down a rabbit hole of, you know, Wikipedia, as you do, to discover just an entire career as a background vocalist in the early 2000s. I had no idea, man! <laughs> it makes sense that she would have been in the music industry at some point, given who her dad is, but given that I only know her from all of my favorite television shows, I don't know how this hasn't come up so far, and... How is she not sung in any of the television shows? I I seem to think that like either in like Parks and Rec or The Office, like her character did sing, but she was terrible at it. Which I think it takes more talent to sing terribly when you're a good singer than the opposite. Well, obviously, if you're not a good singer, you're not going to sing. I don't know what I'm trying to say here. If you are a bad singer, you can't pretend to sing well. I guess. I don't know. But, hey, uh, you know, let's... Congrats to her. She's a huge star now, so... I mean, she's more relevant than Adam Levine, right? Gotta give her credit for that. Anyways, guys, that's all for today. I'm Thank you so much for listening. I really do appreciate it. I'm hoping that the next episode has more to offer than Adam Levine did. We're going to be switching gears next month, um, so we're going to be going from gross to disgustingly cute. We're going to take a look at Fireflies by Owl City, and hopefully by then my studio will be fully up and running, and hopefully soon we can start doing video as well. Anyways, that's all for me. Happy Halloween, everyone!